Once again, happy Mother's Day, Resonate Church. <laughs> I love it back that you're here first. Like Rocco is like first week in church. I mean, that's in just he's I don't know, man. That's amazing as well as uh, just so pumped on all the family. I see even new families here today. I've not met before. We just love you guys. We're so glad that you're with us. Once again, give it up for all the young moms in the house today that are like getting their kids to church when the last thing their kid wants to do is go to church. And I'm so thankful that my parents did that. I was uh, coloring on the pews of my church growing up, uh, really, and I, I wasn't really sure at, at, you know, like two weeks old that I was ready to be there. But I'm glad my parents thought that I was. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so excited. Uh, hey, before we say a little bit more to the mothers, at least from my heart, I want to uh, look ahead to next week. Next, I'm, there's two incredible things I'm looking forward to. Number one, I'm on vacation next week. Uh, yeah. Woohoo! You know how it doesn't feel like you're on vacation until you're on vacation? That's where I am right now. Like it just, that, that feels like a million miles away, but in a couple days, we are going on vacation. It's going to be the first uh, time that we've, we've actually been to Disney, but you know when your kids are too young to pay to go to Disney, it's like, hey, we're at Disney, and then they don't know that it's just like a restaurant outside Disney. This is actually the time where we are paying to go into Disney with the princesses, and they are pumped. They are excited. No, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Um, Here's what I'm really excited about, though. For our church, next week, Pastor Troy is speaking in the house. Woo! And I wanted to let you know that because it's going to be really a message that I think is essential for everyone at Resonate Church to hear. He's going to be talking about the call that God put on Rachel and him to um, just kind of like sell everything they had and move down from Kelowna to Coquitlam to start Resonate Church. So I really think it's a message that our whole church needs to hear. It's a special one. Uh, and so you won't want to miss next week. I hope you're here for that. And now I want to give a special shout out to moms in this place. My mom is actually in Ontario right now visiting with the other child. You know, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> my mom is with my sister and her family. I'm so excited. Via the podcast, I just want to say, Mom, I love you so much. That's the video podcast. I can look right into the camera. Mom, I love you so much. I did not realize until we had kids how much you loved me. I did not understand. I do a little bit now, just a little bit. Thanks to my mom so much for the way that she loved me, sacrificed for me, um, how she lived a great life of, has lived a great life of faith. It just always pointed me to Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. I also want to uh, just express my amazing love and gratitude as well for my mother-in-law, who's now with Jesus. And I want to thank God for the 10 years that I got to spend with her and uh, um, of course, for the greatest gift that ever came into my life, my wife, who came via mom. I'm so thankful for that. And I, I want to say to Rachel, as the mother of this house, the mother of our kids, baby, I'm just so proud of you. And I love, um, this is really a moment that just between me and Rachel, like, but just tune in. Because, <laughs> no, babe, I'm really proud of you. The way that you live so open-heartedly, the way that your empathy towards people that are hurt. And if there's one thing I think I could use to describe you, it's that you see people. And I'm so inspired by that. And I, I love that you see people and you love them where they're at, but you just, you always know the moment to flick the switch and be like, you need to challenge to get your butt to another level. And uh, I'm just so thankful that we have a mother in our house like that. Can we celebrate Rachel today? I am so excited. I don't know if you can tell. I'm excited to preach today because God's word is so loaded with principles and a picture 
of God wanting to use your life more than you can imagine, especially to the women of the house today. And today I want to have a look. There's 188 women mentioned by name in Scripture. I want to look at three of them. Like, we never do this. We never look at three different Bible stories on one Sunday. This should really be a series, but we're packing it into one Sunday. Uh, Three different stories. I want to talk about these three things. I want to talk about being called, being courageous, and being commissioned. We're going to see these things through these three stories we're going to look at. But I'm going to ask you women, why don't you do this? Would you just place a hand over your heart and would you, would you say this? You might not feel like you can lean into this fully, but would you say this with me? Say, I'm called. I'm courageous. I'm commissioned. Now, I don't know how much you believe that at this point in the message, but by the time we are done today, you are going to believe that more as we see what God has to say from his word. So the first story that I want to jump into it's a familiar passage of scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 10. And um, uh, this is what the Bible says. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then. To help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So normally when that text is preached, what the context or the topic would be would be rest. Here's Martha. She's over here. She's sweating it out. She's busy. She's working so hard. Mary's over here. She's spending relational time with Jesus. And I love that Jesus points out And there's very few times the Bible says this. Hey, that's the one thing that's needed. When the Bible says, hey, you only need to do one thing, like dial into that. What is it? It's this relational time with Jesus. And it's this beautiful picture of coming away from the noise and spending time and and resting in the feet of Jesus. That is the essential message of this text. But Luke does more. Luke is doing more in these verses than we might see at first glance. He is actually highlighting the calling that's on Mary's life. And here's how we know this. In this day and age, in, in, in first century Palestine, there would have been a division of the home. There would have been a male section of the home, a male seating area, and a female seating area. And when we see right here that, that Mary is, is sitting with Jesus, clearly there's some social convention being broken. You might not be able to really picture this. One of the ways that I pictured a number of years ago, Rachel and I, we were invited to uh, a Muslim friend of mine's wedding. And at... Their weddings culturally, and a lot of um, Middle Eastern cultures still do this, where there is a, a male section of the home, a female section of the home. I'd never been to a wedding reception like this. The wedding reception was two separate rooms. And in the one room was the bride with all of the women and all the kids. And in the other section of the room was all the men with the groom. And because my friend realized, he was so gracious to us, he realized that we didn't know anyone there but him. Uh, he, and so Rachel didn't have to go and, and be on the other side of the room where she didn't know anybody. He said, you guys can go back and forth and see. We were the only people there with the all-access pass. We were just back and forth, <laughs> back and forth, and it was, it, was, it was beautiful. But here's the thing. When we look at this text, and we picture it in our 21st century homes, we think, oh, this is so 
nice that Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus in like a living room. She's, you know, just, just, they're just hanging out in a living room and that's totally normal. Not understanding that this is a break completely with social convention of the day, that Jesus has clearly made an invitation for Mary to be sitting in this space that she would not normally sit in. And it goes beyond that. Luke lets us know here that she's sitting at the feet of Jesus and that just sounds like she's maybe, he's on the couch and she's sitting on the floor, but we don't understand. He's actually using a figure of speech. He's talking about a student-teacher relationship. It's a mentoring relationship. In, in, again, in, in, this, in this day, this is not a normal thing. Women were not taught the scriptures. Women weren't allowed to be teachers or rabbis. And so for Jesus to once again be breaking these social norms, Luke only uses this picture of sitting at the feet of someone in one other place in scripture. It's further ahead in Acts chapter 22. And he's talking about the Apostle Paul, and he says that Paul sat at the feet of his mentor Gamaliel. So he's not simply saying that Mary is sitting in some lower posture to Jesus. He's actually using a figure of speech to say that Jesus is mentoring her into a space where she can be used in ministry and discipleship. And Jesus is so elevating the role of women in ministry that some 30 years after this would get written, we see throughout the early church this call of women being raised up and used in great positions of authority. When the Apostle Paul, some 30 years later, would write the book of Romans, he's going to speak of Junia, and he's going to say, well, she is ministering among the apostles. He's going to speak of Phoebe, and he's going to say that she's a deacon in the church, in our language, just a leader. He's going to look at Priscilla. He's going to say there's a church functioning out of her house. This is why Resonate Church believes in the full appointment of women to preach, teach, prophesy, lead. Come on, somebody. We believe that for our church. Not not because it's socially acceptable in 2018, but because it's what God's word pictures and shows us happens in the early church because Jesus chose to bust up some social norms and put a calling on Mary's life to ministry. He's raising her up. He's mentoring her. He's seeing leadership in her. So Mary is this great picture of calling. And you know what I love? I love that we, get, I, that we get to raise our girls in a church that doesn't just believe this. Women, you are actually demonstrating this in this house. I don't know if you realize this. We'll have these leaders meetings at our house. We'll gather together. We gather our leaders together on the third Wednesday of every month. So we'll get together anyone who's a uh, our lead team, and then our ministry team leaders and our captains. We had one of these meetings last month. There was 35 people at our house. 21 of them were women. Come on, somebody. Like, we're not preaching this today because we're trying to stir up some sort of woman leadership gift in the house. Like, we're just actually fanning into flame the fire that's already going on in this house. In fact, in some ways, I'm preaching to the men today. It's time, guys. To start to lead up in this house. Let's get the numbers going. But I love that our girls can look, hey, this is a leadership space in the house. And they're like, well, this looks like a women's meeting. <laughs> Mary is a beautiful picture of, of calling. So great to look at on this, on this Mother's Day. Second story I want to drop into. This is kind of like, this is like dropping into a half pipe. We're just like dropping in and back out. This is, the second one I want to look at today is a story of a woman named Deborah. Deborah's story is told in Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5. After Moses and Joshua would lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt, where they were in slavery, into the promised land, God appointed 12 different judges over a period of time, each of them uh, uh, to lead the nation. 
And one of those was a woman by the name of Deborah. And this is what the Bible says in Judges about Deborah. It says, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. So a couple verses there, and it says two things about Deborah. Number one, she's a prophetess. Number two, she's a judge. So as a prophet, she speaks the word of God to the people of God, and as a judge, she governs the nation. There's only one other judge of the 12 that God put over the nation over again this period of time, each one of them leading for a period of time. There's only one of the other one of the 12 that was both prophet and judge, and that's Samuel. And so there's some special gifts on her life. And it goes on and it says this. It says that she sent and she summoned Barak. I don't know if this is Barak or Barak. I, you know what I mean? Like I read this now, I'm thinking Barak. Um, I was, let's call it Barak. No, that'll be confusing. Let's go Barak. I don't want you to picture the president, the 44th president of the United States. So she summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam. There's some names up in here. Kadesh, uh, from Kadesh Naphtali and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 for the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Scissor, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops. I'll give them into your hand. I think she talked loud and she talked fast and she was confident. Barak said to her, I love this, If you go, with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. She said, I will surely go with you. Can you picture with me the courage of Deborah? Here we have the commander of an army of 10,000 people, clearly a guy with some leadership skills. And he's looking at an obstacle in front of them, an army three times the size of his, and he is saying, if you don't go with me, I won't go. But if you go with me, I'll go. And she says, I'm going to go. Now, what the nation needs is not one more person to fight this battle. It's 10,000 against 30,000. They don't need one. They need 20,000. Or they need what Deborah brings to the table. They need a picture of courage. Have you ever noticed that courage is contagious? God is going to use the courage of one woman to unlock the courage of 10,000 men. So if Mary is a picture of calling, then Deborah is a picture of courage. Let me ask you a question. You might need to write this down, put it in your phone, set a reminder, take this to prayer. Because I believe if you ask this question in a place of prayer with God, and you actually took a next step towards it, that it would change the trajectory of your life. And the question is this, what would being more courageous look like for me? As I've been preparing for this message and thinking about posing that question to you, I've been asking that question on a daily basis in two ways. I've been saying to myself, what would being more courageous look like in the big picture as a pastor, as a father, big picture areas of my life? And then I'll break it down and say, well, God, what would being more courageous look like today? I believe if you were to take that question to prayer this week and you were to actually implement a next step towards it, it would change the trajectory of your life. What would being more courageous look like for you? Maybe it would be having that one-to-one -one conversation with your teenager. Maybe being more courageous means starting up that small group. 
Maybe being more courageous for you means being courageous enough to walk into a small group where you don't know anybody. Maybe being more courageous for you means having that conversation with that friend that used to go to church, that doesn't go to church anymore, and just saying, hey, where are you at with God? How's your relationship going? What's going on with you and God? Maybe being more courageous for you would be starting that business. Maybe being more courageous for you would would be beginning to trust God in your finances, making some kingdom investments. I don't know what being more courageous looks like for you, but I do know whether it's one person or whether it's 10,000 people, there is someone's freedom on the other side of your courage. This is God's word to us. A picture of calling, a calling to courage. I want to drop into one more story together. This one's found in John chapter 4. This is... Again, a well-known passage of Scripture. In this passage, Jesus needs to take a journey from Judea to Galilee. In order to do that, he has to pass through Samaria. And when so doing, he meets a woman at a well. And he, again, enters into a a socially unusual conversation. Because, again, at this point in time, men in first century Judaism did not talk in general to women in public. And yet Jesus has a conversation with this woman. It's, It's, again, a socially unusual, almost unacceptable conversation and speaking of socially unacceptable convos like kids are great at these right like yesterday we're going through the starbucks drive-thru navia says from the back seat dad can you roll down the window i want to talk to this lady (laughs) and you just like what do you say right there because you don't want to crush the kid's confidence right like you want her to be outgoing and just like feel like everyone wants to talk to you but i'm in the front seat and i'm like I don't know what this, I don't want to say this to you, but here's what I'm thinking. Like, I, she's, she's got a job to do. She doesn't really have time for a conversation. Plus, all Avia really wants to say is something I'm probably going to find pretty awkward, right? Like, one of her favorite things to say, whether it's in a park or in a Starbucks drive through is, my daddy speaks in tongues. You know, like, it's just like, and the people are like, good on him, good. Jesus having a socially awkward conversation. He's talking to a woman. He's, again, when it, the Bible tells us when the disciples come back, they're amazed that Jesus is even having a conversation with this woman. This is what the scripture says. It says that Jesus said to her that everyone who drinks of this water, they're standing by a well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. That water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then Jesus shows that he can see beyond the mask she's wearing. And he says, hey, you've had five husbands, like just totally out of the blue. You've had five husbands, and the guy that you're with right now is actually not your husband. And then they have some like theological Q&A back and forth. And then she says back to Jesus, I know that the Messiah is coming, who's called the Christ. When he comes, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, this is a crucial turning point in Scripture, because up until this time, Jesus has revealed to nobody directly that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He hasn't revealed it directly to his disciples. He hasn't revealed it to a governor. He's not revealed it to a crowd, nor is he going to. The first person, at least that we see represented in Scripture, that Jesus directly reveals who he is, is to a woman with a busted up past and a history of failed relationships. Verse 29 tells us what she thinks about this. She goes into the city. She goes from the well back into the city, and she starts having this conversation with people. I met a man who told me everything I'd ever done, and she says this. Could this be the Christ? Now, I love this picture of God. He chooses to show himself 
Not to his disciples, not to a crowd, not to a governor, but to a woman with a history of failed relationships. And someone who's not even going to fully believe what he said. Like, how great is the love of God? You might be coming here and you've been coming for a while and you're like, I'm not sure what I believe about God. That's awesome. You know what God believes about you? Before you even choose to believe in who he is, he's like, let me show you who I am. Like, my, I, I care so much more about you than y'all. Like, listen, God loves us as Christians, right? Let's get that. But let's understand the heart of God for people that don't yet know him. God's like, y'all are fine. You're going to figure out who I am. You know who I'm going to tell first? The woman who doesn't even know yet she believes. Come on, what should our heart look like, like as a church? I'm so thankful for the discipleship and the growth and all the things that God is doing in this house. But may we never, ever, ever lose the passion for more people to hear about Jesus. It is always the first thing on his mind. Come on, somebody. Look at this, look at this. This is what happens. This is what happens. This is what happens. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. Jesus reveals his eternal nature to a woman who's not even sure that she believes. And when she starts talking about it, other people believe. This is what God does. He commissions you beyond your capacity. You'd say, you know, I don't really know if I can encourage somebody because I'm really not that good at encouraging. Well, guess what? God commissions you beyond your capacity. You say, you know what, I'm not really into inviting people to church because I'm just like a silent example type and they'll figure it out. No, he commissions you beyond that capacity. You say, you know what, I just, I don't really like to pray for people in public because I don't know all the right things to say and I don't know if God's going to hear them and I don't want just the awkwardness of them not being healed. And so I'm just going to say, if, if like someone comes up to me and they're saying, life is broken down, I'm just going to say, you know, I'm going to be praying for you later. No, he commissions you beyond your capacity. He said, I don't really know if I can lead. I'm more of a follower. No, he commissions you beyond your capacity. We don't encourage because we're good at encouraging. We don't lead because we're good at leading. We have a God who is commissioning us all the time. And he's saying, hey, you've got a calling. It's going to take some courage. But understand, I have commissioned you. Young women, young moms in this house, I love that there's, we just dedicated 10 babies. We've got more babies being dedicated next month. So I know there's a lot of young moms in this place. Let me say to you this, this is not a just get through it season of your life. I understand that as a man, I can't understand what you're going through. <laughs> I don't even want to look at who said it. I'm just afraid right now. <laughs> But he's commissioned you in this season, not just to even, even be raising up your own generation, but to be speaking into the lives of the kids, of the women that you hang out in the park, and to, and to be speaking into the lives of people, and to be able to understand with empathy what somebody else is going through when their eyes just look a little bit heavy. He has commissioned you even in this season beyond your perceived capacity. And so I want to say prophetically today to the young moms and to the grandmoms and to all the moms and to, and to anyone in the room that is not a mom and you're a woman in this place. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell us anything about Deborah's family. We don't know if she had kids. We don't know what her family looked like. And the Bible tells us in Judges chapter 5, she was a mother to the house of Israel. Mothering is not having biological kids. Mothering is influencing the next generation to serve Jesus. So I want to speak prophetically over you today. My goal was not to hype you up with just being like, you know, I, it's like I had a bunch of Skittles before I preached or something like that. My goal is not to hype you up today. My actual goal would be 
that today there'd be an open heaven over this place and you would actually hear God speaking to you the next step of destiny into your calling and into courage and into the commissioning God has for you. God, I thank you for your presence in this place. God, I thank you that already today you've been speaking in this house and I pray God for the continuation of your voice to speak even now in these next few moments, God. And we ask this simple question, what would being more courageous for your kingdom look like for us today? And I gotta pray you'd, you'd speak to us. Maybe it's gonna be something for us today. Maybe it would be something with a broader lens that you'd speak to us. God, may we be willing to hear and take an action step towards it. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, calling, courage, commissioning. I just need to get my life right with God. If that's you here this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity in a moment to pray a prayer of faith to surrender your life to Jesus. Whether it would be for the very first time and you'd say, my life is his today. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're just here and you're like, I'm just far from God. I don't just mean like it's been a rough week and maybe there's some sin in your life. I mean like, no, you've, you've not been choosing to follow Jesus with your life. Today, you need to make a recommitment, a rededication of that decision to Christ. If that's you in this place with no one looking around, and just between you and God, not even between you and me, we're not gonna center you out, embarrass you, or anyone will see that you made this decision. This is between you and God. Would you just slip up a hand and say, today, yeah, I need to make that decision to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Come on, you just slip your hand up and say, yeah, today's my day of decision. I don't want to wait another moment. I don't want to wait another day. Just hold your hand up for a moment. Say, yeah, that's me in this place today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, several hands in the room today, maybe. Thank you, God. If you raised your hand or maybe you didn't, but you wanted to, would you just pray this prayer with me? This is a prayer of simple faith. Say, dear Jesus, giving you my life in this moment because I'm going to choose to follow you. I believe that you died, rose again, so I could know full forgiveness, freedom from sin, from shame, and from my past. And I could live with a calling, courage, prayer of decision before we move on to the service just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed I want to pray over the women of this house and if there's a family member near you maybe a mom or a daughter or a grandma I'd encourage you guys just to reach out a hand and put it on her shoulder if there's no one right next to you you can just place a hand right on yourself ladies and your, on your, over your heart and just say Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. I'm yours. I'm yours. God, I pray an encouraging word over the women of this house today, God, to be nurturing leaders in the kingdom of God. I pray for anyone, God, who has held back from, uh, from all that you've called them to because there's just been fears of the past or maybe things that have been spoken over them, some sort of limitation of their capacity. God, I praise you. 
that you don't call us because we're great and you don't call us because we've got it figured out, but because you are powerful and you're with us and that is all that we would need. And so God, I pray, elevate, oh God, I pray the faith in this house to believe that our best days are ahead. Salvation for this city is ahead. Impact in this place is ahead, not because of our great faith, but because of your great faithfulness. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And because the women shout louder than the men, all the women said, amen. Amen. Once again, can we just put our hands together in this place for what God has spoken and said in this place.